0: Well, good morning, City Church. A long, long time ago, a pastor um, that I uh, used to follow told me that you're supposed to preach the announcements. I'm not going to preach the announcements today, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, give you guys the announcements all over again. In just a couple of weeks, we get to take our city youth group to youth camp. And man, we are so excited about it. We've been praying for um, your kids, for the kids that call City Youth home. Um, Like Cody has already mentioned, our girls, man, they showed up and showed out this year. They booked all the rooms up or all the beds up. But our guy spots, we have a few of those available. And so if you're a teenager in here, uh, man, we would love to have you with us. It is a transformative week um, in your life. I can promise you that. I'm just gonna speak that out into the ethos, if you will. Um, but also, next thing is, man, can we give it up one more time for City Music? Come on. They have been working so diligently and so hard um, on ways to lead us as a family into worship each and every. Uh, week and, and this EP that we're dropping communion um, is is just the fruit of that. And it's going to be, um, uh, just such a gift for not just our church, but for the world. And th- this coming Thursday night, y'all aren't gonna wanna miss that. Be here to see that journey and what that looked like. You're gonna get some free popcorn out of the deal. I might even hand it out to you. Um, and so I love the two people that were on the screen just then, uh, just talking a little bit about it. One of them I feel like I had a big hand in helping raise and the other one feels like she's probably still raising me, um, and so uh, just super <laughs> just super excited about that. So don't miss that be here next thursday night um it's just another chance for us to gather as family absolutely but also to just see the journey that this team that is leading us in worship each and every week are, are the journey that they went on to get to this point so hey for those of you who don't know me um i've stood up here and talked for a while my name is Bodie sanders i'm one of the teaching pastors here at city and i'm our city youth director, city youth pastor, um, and it's so uh, good to see you guys. Um, it's awesome to have this opportunity to share with you. Y'all guys have had the A-team throughout this whole entire series. Um, that's one, two, three of them, and so I, that would make me the D-team, Cody, is that right? No? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but anyways, um, I wanted to tell you guys a little story. So um, I grew up uh, the second of four children with my parents, so my older brother is about four years older than me. Uh, when I came into the world, um, you would think that having an older brother would be just like the best gift that a younger sibling could have, right? Somebody that's like been through the process a little bit, walked the ropes, know the ins and outs, the, the, the do's and the don'ts and things like that. And somebody that's just gone before you that can teach. I mean, this is discipleship, right? And, um, and so you would think that that would be a, a blessing, and it probably is for most people. For me... Not so much. So by the time I turned four or five years old, I, I went from uh, being just some kid that randomly occupied a, be- a bed in my brother's bedroom to um, what I could best describe as a punching bag. Um, so my brother discovered uh, Karate Kid at some point and he discovered Sean claude Van Damme and Kickboxer and uh, some of the uh, blood sport. what are some other Sean claude Van Damme movies, right? Um, he, he discovered all these, not to mention the five movie uh, just uh, beauty of a set that is rocky. Um, and so my brother uh, turned to me to take out some of his rage. You see my brother, his name is Kenny, I'll give you his name because I don't mind uh, just throwing him directly <laughs> under the bus. Um, he was a fighter, he, was, he just from, from birth I guess, he, he was just a fighter. He, he, he got in fights in the neighborhood, all the things. People were terrified of my older brother, me. Not a fighter, not so much. I'm a lover. I'm a peacemaker. Like let's let's just like, hey, let's hug it out. Let's be cool, bro. We don't have to do this. And so, um, so you could imagine like growing up the tension that would happen. I, I can remember just like being told one day, hey man, I'm gonna need you to go stand in that doorway and um, put your back to me, and I'm gonna run and I'm gonna kick you as hard as I can. Like, and and here's the deal, it's gonna be fun. Uh, you can't fight back, and you can't tell mom and dad. Like all of these things. Like like I. I, I was just the punching bag. We fought so often, or I should say, he fought so often, and and I just had to lay there and take it. Uh, And so I I think about this, and now there are some perks to having a brother who people are scared of, because as I grew up and got older, um, Kenny could beat me up all he wanted, but nobody else could. And so, like, I I knew for a fact that I was able to get away with a lot of things and say a lot of mean things to bigger people, uh, older people, because they couldn't touch me because I'm Kenny Sanders' brother, right? And so... I've been thinking a lot about this series and I've had several, several weeks to labor over and war over um, what I, I feel like I could share with you guys, if there was even anything that I could bring to the table um, in this series that would, that would further edify the body of Christ, the family of God. And, and so um, as I was warring over this and, and thinking over this, I thought, what if we'd spent some time, we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about becoming the family of God? What if we spent a little bit of time this morning talking about fighting for the family of God, fighting for the family of god when i think back on my childhood on my brother who beat me up you know a, a lot and listen I, I i disclaimer here kenny is one of the softest kindest human beings that you'll ever meet today um he loves children he loves people and um we are best friends so like i i love my older brother but he did beat me up as a kid just so like if if y'all ever get a chance to meet him bring that up to him but when i think back uh to to my childhood and i think about like that looks like the church a lot, right? Like we've said that throughout this series quite a bit. Um, church can be messy. We don't always get it right in this thing called the family of God, and uh, and so like like there 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 are there is a tendency to 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 bite back, to fight back, to fight with the family of God. Um, and, and when we do this, this, this I, I've been in this church game for a long time now, um, 40 years old, so spent my life growing up in the church in a couple of different contexts. And what I know to be true is I have been on uh, the receiving end and the giving end of, of harsh critiques and mean words. I, I've watched people who have literally separated because of theological differences, secondary, uh, uh, things that we would look at in scripture that, 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 that do not bear weight on the actual gospel of Jesus, but, but they, they, they've come to this like uh, theological difference that, that they've separated in such a way with such animosity uh, towards one another that, that these are people that like, genuinely at one time loved each other earnestly, and now they have been ripped apart because of a difference and the, the relationship is nearly irrep- irreparable. And I've witnessed this throughout my life in the church. And I've been a part of some of these things. And it's like, it's time that we, as the family of God, take a look inside and say, how can we be better? Right? Like, is there a way that we can be better because when we are fighting, when we are fighting with one another, um, all this does is it uh, not only hurts the individual or the individuals who are involved, it puts bullets into the guns of those who point to the church and say they look nothing like what they preach. They don't look like what they preach. They don't look like this Jesus they claim to follow. Um, this is not only happens now, but it's happened throughout the history of the church, if we look over the history of the church, something that we see is that the church has always been in a fight to not let the culture around them become the culture within them. The church has always been in a fight to not let the culture that is around them become the culture within them. For instance, Rachel May mention last week about the the seven churches that made up Asia Minor, or the the churches in Asia Minor, And, and she talked about how Jesus went to these churches and he had some critiques for them, right? And often what we see in these critiques to the seven churches is that Jesus looked at them and said, hey, you've let things from the outside become things that that are now a part of who you are. And he calls them out and he says, you need to repent or turn away from that mess and get back to what I've called you to be as, the church. This is what the prophets of old did. This is what Jesus did. They called out the prevailing winds of the culture around them um, to, to 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 turn back, to turn back to the ways of God, to look inward and see where where we've probably missed it a little bit, and and it's our call for us as the church today. If we look at the churches in Asia, the prevailing wind of culture was religious systems or religious sects that taught that freedom in Christ was freedom to do whatever you wanted. So in the name of grace and freedom, you gotta give yourself over to all the things to truly experience the fullness of God's grace. And, and Jesus is like, no, that's, that's, that's not what we're going. That was the prevailing wind of culture in the churches in asia and so that leaves me asking what is the prevailing wind of culture in our generation what is our fight if every generation of the church has had to fight for for this thing called family and for the things that we would claim to value then what are the prevailing winds of our culture that we are up against and let me tell you church we're up against a lot we're up against a lot, but the, the beautiful thing about this is that I, I follow a pastor who, who likes to say this, like we're more than equipped for it. God would not have put us in this place and in this time if he had not equipped us to fight the fight that he has put in front of us to fight. The issue that we have sometimes is we forget that, that, that we're supposed to be together in unity, in harmony, linked up arm in arm to, again, speak to and sometimes against the prevailing culture of our day. And so what is this thing, what are some of the things that we're up against? Right now, today, I'm not sure if there's anything much bigger than anger, outrage. Look around our world. Look around the world that we live in. People are quick. Man, they're so quick to lose it because they have a thought or they have an idea, and really what this boils down to is we have lost the ability to communicate as a culture. We, we get to say a lot of things, but we do not know how to communicate as a culture. Instead, our world says it's really about self and building my platform and I will tear you down and I will do whatever I have to do to get my agenda across. And that's not the church's call, right? And what we need as the church is wisdom. We need wisdom to see that this is seeping into our buildings. This is seeping into our family. This idea that it's about me when literally all of Scripture says it's about the other in our lives. Literally all of Scripture tells us it's not about us first. It's about others first. We'll get to it in a minute. We need wisdom to see what is happening. James, in the letter that bears his name in the third chapter, uh, talks a little bit about wisdom. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But (laughs) But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. I'm gonna stop right there for a second. Let's take just a little bit of time to unpack this. Seriously, we see that like, like, oh man, this is happening to the church that James is writing in, and that must suck for them, or it must have sucked for them, but the simple truth of the matter is this, guys. We aren't much different. We aren't much different. Again, when the prevailing culture around us becomes the culture within us, this is what we start to look like. There's bitterness. There's selfishness. There's ambitions. There's things to gain. And James says, this isn't wisdom, or it's at least not wisdom from above. He says, this is wisdom that is demonic in nature. Like, man, that, that should open our eyes up just a little bit this morning. It should cause us to go, hang on, that, that's like a, a flashing red warning light for us, like the dash on my car right now, because like everything is like blink, 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 blink. This should cause us to open our eyes, take a moment, and go, is this me? Is there, a, is there at least a chance that James is writing to me here. Have I been after my own agenda, my own game, my my platform, my pedestal? Have I been after these things, or, or am I about building up the body of Christ, the family of God? Because this would be wisdom that is not from above, and when we see this, we see disorder. James says that there's disorder everywhere within the body of Christ when we see this type of wisdom at play but then he goes on to say but the wisdom that comes from heaven is what it's first of all pure then peace-loving considerate submissive full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere and i love these last lines peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness and then i go all the way back to my childhood story i'm a peacemaker so i get to reap a harvest of righteousness but this is the type of wisdom that james says that we should operate and out Out of as the church and this is the type of wisdom that we need if we are to be a church that is first of all fighting for one another and secondly speaking into the culture around us and speaking against it when we need to this is the type of wisdom that we need you see church as the body of Christ those who have been given sonship through the atoning work of Jesus on the cross we are called to unity we're called to live in harmony we spend a lot of time fighting with the family of God when Scripture calls us to fight for the family of God. I want to go to Romans 12, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, and we're going to read to 21. And this is what the church is supposed to look like. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. I don't know why I always chuckle when I read that. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I I simply ask this, what would it look like for us to look different, talk different, think different than the current cultural norms around us or even within the, the church culture? We are quick to call out deficiencies and lack, and that's not to say that there isn't place for that. There absolutely is. Part of, of looking at a brother or sister and saying, man, I see this in you, is actually loving them well. But it's a matter of how we do that. Do we do that in humility? Rachel mentioned it last week. Do we do that after examining the plank in our own eye first? Um, but, but that's also, I also think that, that we forget sometimes that it's completely okay. To look at our brothers and sisters in the situations that they're in and realize that they're human too and say, Man, I see you and I'm for you. Again, I wanna say it, we should be fighting for the family of God and not with the family of God. But how do we do that? How do we actually fight for? Our brothers and sisters in Christ. I've got just a couple of things for you guys this morning. I'm sure we could comb through and plow through the scriptures and dig down deep and we could find hundreds of ways that we could fight for the family of God, but y'all guys don't want to listen to me talk that long. And so I've got three things this morning, and I've been teaching to youth for like four straight years now, and so it's gonna be a little bit shorter for y'all guys today. Amen? How about it? Hallelujah. Okay, Um, so how do we fight for the family of God, number one is this, we lift up and encourage one another. We lift up and we encourage one another. I'm not just gonna rattle off my points and then say, let's stand. I'm gonna actually have some content underneath all these, okay? So here's the deal, I have three kids. Three beautiful kids, they're amazing, they are awesome, and they are all three gifted, um, like the the Spirit of God has gifted them in mighty ways. My oldest is just headstrong, she is a natural born leader. Um, uh, It it, it gets a little kinda confusing right now in her her life and in our life and trying to parent her and raise her uh, because there's a lot of this happening a lot of times because of that, but I am certain that one day God is going to use that in a mighty and powerful way in her life and like, it's going to advance the kingdom of God. My youngest son, right now, what we have uh, determined is he is very loud. Like, <laughs> and I'm sure that, like, that, that like, God's gonna use that in some way, shape, or form at some point. But right now, he's just really loud and he's good at it. He is good at being loud. My middle child, my daughter, Lainey, I got to tell you this. We were um, Lainey and Ella went with another church to church camp this past week, and so they were gone all week long. Man, it hurts Mom and Daddy's heart when when the kids are gone for more than a couple of days. We we want them gone for a couple of days, but like a whole week, it gets it's like it, it gets kind of sad. Like there's like actual separation then, and we couldn't talk to them, uh, which I'm happy they didn't have their phones. But then I was like, man, I wish they had their phones so I could just tell them this funny thing I just saw. Um, but anyways. My kids, we picked them up on Friday to, from, from the church that they went to camp with. And um, Laney, uh, towards the end of like, Friday afternoon, Laney came into my room and was like, Dad, would you take me to Reese's? I really want some baked hot Cheetos. And of course, they've been gone for like, uh, like a long time. And so I was like, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Like, I'll- you want to stop and get a pony on the way? We'll do that. You know, I've missed you so much, right? And so uh, we're, on the, we're on our way to Reese's to get her some baked hot Cheetos. Those things are delicious. If you haven't had them, they're actually really good. Um, and, uh, and like on our way, I was like, hey, you know, dad's preaching this Sunday. She's like, oh, cool. Am I in it finally? Because... Uh, like we always use my oldest daughter because we do butt heads with her a lot and so it makes for really funny stories and Lainey never does anything wrong it seems like and so um, it's hard to find a way to weave her in and I was like, no you're not babe but I will write you in, okay, because you've been gone for a week so I'm gonna write you in and so fighting for the family, we build up, we lift up, we encourage one another. Lainey is my encourager. Lainey is the child that I have that, man, if you are feeling down, if you're feeling low, then spend 30 minutes with her. Let her love on you. Let her speak words of affirmation over you and kindness over you, and you will walk away feeling better about the situation, like there's there's probably some hope in the situation that you're in. And man, if you are rejoicing over something, get ready, she will party with you and you will feel like you will rule the world when you walk away from that little bit of time with her. She just naturally is an encourager. She is a a builder-upper. She stirs up inside of people a hope and a hunger for things to come. That's my Laney. That's what she does. And like we should all attempt or at least try to be a Laney from time to time. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 and 25 says this Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised us faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. And I love that idea of spurring or stirring one another up to what? Love and good deeds. This is, this is it. This is fighting for the family of God. This is saying we're in it together, and I'm here for you, right? A couple of weeks ago, my oldest daughter turned 16. She will get her license tomorrow. God willing that she passes her test everybody pray for us um, in this season of, of life um, but a few a few days before her birthday we were setting up for her birthday party and she wanted to have a swing like a big giant swing in our trees in the backyard for context I have like seven really massive trees, like, like this big around kind of trees in my yard. And so we were picking out limbs and all of this stuff. And, and I I wanted to like do like a cohesive thing with the seat of the swing. And I was like, I'm pretty certain I know what kind of trees these are in my yard, and, but, but I, I wanna make sure, uh, because I want the seat, the wood on the seat to match the, the tree, right? Like I, I don't know why, it just seemed important to me at the time, it probably isn't, but whatever it is to me. Uh, and, and so I, I started doing some research on these trees and I've got a bit of an issue. Once I start into something like that, like I will just research random things for hours upon hours upon hours until I learn everything I can about that thing, and then I, I stop researching it and I forget all about it. Before you say it, yeah, it's probably ADHD. Um, and, um, but anyways, I started researching. I started researching the trees in my, in my yard, and I, I found out that, that what I thought to be true about them was true. They're big, giant, white oak trees. And so, uh, but the interesting thing is, as I was studying about these oak trees, I came across some really interesting facts. I found out that if a white oak tree is planted out in the middle of a field all by itself, it grows really short and really wide. It spreads way out, but... If a giant, if an oak tree, a white oak tree is planted or growing in a forest full of white oak trees, then it grows really deep and really, really tall. And I thought, man, that is such a beautiful picture of how the church should be. As we are planted together in close proximity, we grow deep with one another and deep with God as we are both all uh, pursuing God. Think about the beauty and the imagery of that. Like this idea of in close proximity as we encourage one another and as we build one another up, we grow deep and we grow tall together. But if we're alone, we're just like, hey, we're just gonna occupy this space out here. Um, Let's be like the white oak trees in a forest church. Let's spur one another on to grow deep and to grow tall together. Second thing that we do to fight for The church is this, we intercede for one another. And that's a big word and that is a lot to unpack. I'm gonna do my best but we're gonna start with a Richard Foster quote. Richard says this, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them. And his will and this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. Intercessory prayer is selfless prayer, even self-giving prayer. In the ongoing work of the kingdom of God, nothing is more important than intercessory prayer. Let that set with you for a moment. In the ongoing work in the kingdom of God, nothing is more important than intercessory prayer. Nothing is more important than looking at your brother or your sister in Christ and saying, I'm in this with you. I will fight on my knees for you. We will do whatever it takes to get out of this mess together. Jesus models for us intercessory prayer. I love this so much. In the the upper room as Jesus is with his disciples towards the, the end of his earthly life, Jesus breaks the bread, he does communion, which we will do here in just a moment as the family of God. And um, he's having these conversations with his disciples and they start to bicker about who is the greatest in the, in, within Jesus's kingdom and all of these things. And Jesus stops them in a moment and he says these words. He says in Luke 22, 31 through 33, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as weed. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. So basically what just happened in this moment is Jesus looked at Peter and he was like, yo, man, I got a text from Satan the other day. And he was like, I want to crush your disciples. He's like, but I left him on red and I hit my knees and I prayed to the father. I prayed, Simon, specifically for you that your faith would not fail. And Simon's like, okay, cool, man. I'm, I'm gonna die or go to prison with you. It's, it's whatever, you know. But we know how the story kind of complete, like, finishes, right? Simon then goes on to deny Jesus three times. He is broken. He is hurting. But what we see is that Peter never fully lost his faith. Why? Jesus his friend, the one in close proximity, hit his knees and prayed to God and said, this can't happen. I don't want Simon to lose his faith. We intercede for one another. And what we see from the Apostle Peter is that, is that not only does his, his faith may have waned, it may have lessened, but, but, but we see that, that Peter eventually goes on to plant a pretty uh, prosperous church, right? Like baptizes 3,000 on day one of the church. Pretty impressive, right? He goes on to lead them through ups and downs, highs and lows, struggles, persecution even. Because Jesus prayed. Peter, I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And if we had time to go into deeper detail about the life of Peter, we would see that, that Peter went on to like, die as a martyr. He died for the cause of Christ. That's, that's pretty unwavering faith. That's pretty unfailing faith because Peter had a friend that hit his knees and prayed to God the Father that his faith would never fail. I think about Peter in Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, Peter at this point is leading the church, but Herod has killed uh, James, the brother of John, uh, we think, from beheading, and he saw that this pleased the Jews, like like this had the Jews pretty happy about all that was happening, and so he starts rounding up all the church leaders, or at least attempting to, and he eventually arrests the apostle Peter and has Peter in prison, likely to be killed. at this moment, for the cause of Christ so that Jews could be happy. And this is what we read about as Peter is in prison. It says this in Acts 12, verse five. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. What does that mean? That means that Peter had a church hit their knees to lift him up. To lift him up, and, and the the story ends with a miraculous jailbreak, and Peter like thinks he's dreaming it all. It's so miraculous, but Peter is eventually uh, released or escapes from prison by the hand of an angel. Pretty amazing stuff. Like I don't know about y'all, but I would like to experience some things like that in my life. Let's start interceding for one another. I, I have a friend on Facebook. Yeah, I'm old. I know. Um, and I was kinda of just like scrolling through his stuff the other day um, and came across something that he shared a while back that I thought was just so beautiful. Um, about a year ago, um, a, a US synchronized swimmer was in, um, at the swimming world finals or whatever in Budapest, and um, she, she's a synchronized solo swimmer and she had finished her act and then went underwater And she was underwater for nearly two minutes and finally her coach was like where's the lifeguards what are they doing what 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 are we doing she realized she's been underwater for way too long and so the coach dives into the pool and brings her up and she had fainted after her act and would have drowned in the pool had her coach not dove in to rescue her and um, the person pondered like do we have people in our lives that when we are down and when we are low, when, we are, when we've been under for way too long, do we have people in our lives who are willing to jump into the deep end and pull us back up? That's intercessory. That's interceding for the church. That's stepping in to another situation and saying, I'm right here with you, and we're going to fight this thing out all the way to the end. We're going to fight it out all the way to the end. My health um, at the start of this year was not great. Um, I shared this with you a couple of months ago, but I had severe hip problems and sciatic nerve pain all the way down my leg, couldn't walk, hurt. I was, I I just found myself like drifting. Cause how many of you know, when you're in physical pain, like that's all you can really focus on in a moment, right? And so like, I had started noticing that like, like even my faith was dwindling. Like, I was struggling to, it's like, man, I, I don't want to do church. I don't have the energy for it. All I have the energy for right now is to focus on the problem at hand, and that's like my leg. We went to family camp um, in April, and that was probably at its peak of pain. And while we were at family camp i limping around trying my best to not like grimace and like have a good attitude and all these things and man god just showed up in such a beautiful way at family camp it started with a couple of conversations i had been given some like not so good news from a uh, a a hip surgeon the the day before I got to family camp saying that I'll probably need hip replacement at some point in my life you know like soon and I was like down about that down about all the pain it was hurting really bad Um, and man God just opened the door for just person after person after person that just come to me and like hey man I see you struggling how can I help you how can I be praying for you what do you need from me right now? Or an encouraging word, I have a family member that had a hip replacement young and it was the best thing that ever happened to them in their life, so it's not the end of the world if that's what it has to be. And then on the the, the last night that we were at family camp, I actually had um, brothers come literally lay hands on me and pray for me. And can I tell you that I walked away from that camp not only feeling encouraged because I had people in the deep end with me. I I was no longer isolated. It was out there in the open. Here's where I'm at. So not only did I have people that were in the deep end with me, I was encouraged by that, but I was also encouraged by the fact that, that people were praying for me. And can I tell you that like today, the sciatic pain is gone. Like it doesn't hurt anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's beautiful. Mild hip pain, but I'm just going to believe that, like, as we continue to, to pray together and intercede for one another, that that's going to be gone as well at some point and that I'll be healed and whole, you know. But it's only because I have people that were willing to, to intercede, to step into my brokenness, to step into my hurt and my pain, my lowness, and help to bring me up. How do we fight for family? We intercede for one another. And lastly is this, we remind ourselves and others we're in it together. Like we're in this together, church. Like at the end of the day, <laughs> just like, like I, I look at my wife and I tell my wife this all the time and she, she says it back to me, it's not new to us or unique to us, but like at the end of the day, it's me and you, babe. Like, like, it's me and you, we are family, and, and it's our kids. Like, like, we're gonna protect this. And I feel like the same is true for the church, that we should look to one another every once in a while and just say, hey, just remember, we're, we're, we're in this together. We're fighting the same fight. We're fighting for one another, not with one another. There's conflict that, that, that arises. Hey, let's remember, we're fighting for one another. We're in this together. I wanna go back to the Apostle Peter because at the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 25, um, your Bible might say something like Peter being reinstated or something like that, But, but I like to read this passage of scripture and think this is the moment that Peter is being reminded. This is the moment that Jesus is looking at Peter and saying, Peter, I need you to remember that I love you and that we're in this together. It reads like this. When they had finished breakfast, John 21, 15 through 19. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Then Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you said to him tend my sheep then he said to him a third time simon son of john do you love me peter was grieved because he said to him the third time do you love me and so peter said lord you know everything you know that i love you And jesus said to him feed my sheep truly truly i say to you when you were young you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted but when you are old you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Simon Peter, you think that you've lost it. You think that you've fallen out of graces. Do you love me? Remember, Peter, that you love me. And not only remember that you love me, Peter, remember, Peter, I've invited you to feed my sheep. I've invited you to feed my sheep. We've already talked about Peter. Peter goes on and he leads the church, he continued that partnership with Christ. And I think sometimes, we just need to look at one another saying again, remember, we're in this together. Remember, we're called to love one another. Remember, we're called to honor one another. Remember, we're called to build one another up and encourage one another. Remember, we're called to be in the depths with one another and interceding for one another. And remember that we're in this together. City Church, would you stand up with me this morning? As we get ready to prepare to go to the table, I'd ask you to bow your heads this morning. Just think about this idea of what we are up against as the body of Christ. As we look at the culture around us, not with hate, but with brokenness because of what the world looks like, could we first examine our own hearts and say, have I let the prevailing winds of culture around me become the prevailing culture, the winds of culture within me? Like on an individual basis, Am I more bent towards tearing down than I am building up? My brothers and my sisters. Am I more bent to uh, having my own thoughts or my own agendas become the primal focus? Or are we in this together? Am I walking out my life in humility and honor with one another, or am I not? Could we take some time to examine our own hearts this morning? And then as we have what little time we have left together in first service, could we vow to say that today is the day that I will stop fighting with my family, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and would today be a day that I start fighting for the family of God let's prepare our hearts to go to the table